Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaronworth, signing on to the sign-off of Frameworth Podcast for yet another week, and I am joined in studio by Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, who is staring me down with those eyes. He's he's looking at me as though he's, he's expecting something special. I, I got never nothing know what you're going to you get into with your intro. So sometimes this, I smile. This sometimes. has become part yes. of it, though. I yes. mean, this is what people talk about. They want to see uh, what your introduction is going to be like, and usually you take it in stride, and, and this time's no different. So good stuff. Uh, before we get into our guest this week, I wanted to give once again as we always do a shout out to our listeners who have been liking us, support, supporting us, subscribing, rating, reviewing on their platform of choice. Uh, this week, we have a special giveaway. It's going to be, I know we don't always do a giveaway for these reviews, but we, no, like we always we will. Can. Okay, you heard We're it We're going to do that every week, and that's because we appreciate everybody that does uh, follow us and follow the uh, reviews and the and subscribes, etc. That helps our podcast uh, climb up the ladder, which is important. Climb through the charts. Listen, we all love sports. Be team sign off podcast. How about that? We don't have a jersey yet, but we will send you a puck if you support us. Uh, so this week we are uh, giving a shout out to uh, Rocker Ebo Oro via Apple Podcast. Gives us a five star review. Title five stars. Very convenient. This is my favorite podcast, and it's not even close. The one with 99 is my favorite. Well done, guys. Thank you so much for that review. Once again, if you want to uh, open yourself up to potentially receiving some free signed memorabilia, uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or your platform of choice, and, uh, and we'll potentially give you a little shout-out on the podcast. You, uh, Rocker, are going to be receiving a signed Nathan McKinnon puck. Give us an email, signoffpod at framework.com. We'll get in touch with you and send that out to you within 30 days. Let's say that. Let's start to put the cut off within yeah, 30 days because yeah. we got to make sure the people are listening here. But enough of that. Enough patting ourselves on the back. It's getting obnoxious, Dad. We're just, we're loving ourselves a little bit too much. We have a guest that I cannot wait to get to this week. We're getting a snapshot of the life of one of the most prolific photographers in NHL history. He may have taken countless photos of the likes of Wayne Gretzky in his office behind the net, but many people would consider him to be the Wayne Gretzky of the photography world with his office being behind a camera. Today on the Sign Off Podcast, we welcome Bruce Bennett. Bruce, thank you for joining us. Hey guys, how's it going up there? That's great. It's going fantastic. Now, before we get into it, because I got a ton of questions that I want to get to, I, you know, in, in doing uh, uh, some, some write-ups for where I want the interview to go, oftentimes I know that there's going to be questions and leave room for discussion, but I have so many points that I want to touch on. You have such, as I mentioned, a prolific career in the world of photography, uh, in particular for, for the NHL, that uh, I, I almost ran out of space on my loose leaf writing these questions down. So there's going to be a ton of discussion, and I, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe we'll have to get you on for a second one at some point down the line, depending on how this goes. Remains to be seen, right? Good we're, point. we're almost uh, <laughs> passing an interview here, yeah. <laughs> but the first thing I want to lead off with is, you know, everyone recognizes your name. It's, you're credited with so many photographs and so many... Uh, uh, examples of print, memorabilia, even just perusing Getty images. But what a lot of people might not realize is how much of a personality you have. I mean, just someone who who somehow uh, manages to capture the the hearts and minds of the people who know you, even though you're always behind the camera. I mean, typically the people who spend their lives behind the camera might be a little bit more reserved. Do you ever find yourself at odds with the fact that you're always looking for subjects when you yourself could be the subject of a great interview or or anything like that? You're too kind. Um, <laughs> listen, not uh, always. I uh, I approach a lot of things with a unique. I'm being polite about myself, a unique sense of humor, often profane, um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, um, the 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 one the one case in point I can pull out at this point uh, right now is uh, when I'd go to the NHL draft and I'd run around from table to table and photograph guys. You'd see uh, players that I either knew when they were playing or they knew me. Um, sometimes it was a mild relationship where we chat on occasion. And the problem is when I'd run around and try to get headshots, as they say, for the death file to have the most current <laughs> headshot on each guy, you know, a lot of them, like you'd kind of get close enough to take a picture and they'd say, Hey, Bruce, Hey, no, no, no. Make way for me visible. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you get it. I, I, I need like that candid shot. Like, uh, you know, and it became, uh, there were a few drafts. It became like really problematic. Like I'd have to put on a long lens and photograph guys from 50, 60 feet away because there were so many people in the industry and, uh, you know, it's, um, it is, it, it's kind of touch. It is touching that they would That's amazing. somehow recognize the, the fact that it's it's hard to do your job because you're so well liked is an issue that I don't think many people have. Uh, well known, but I, hey, yeah, I don't know about well liked, well known. Let's let's leave it. At <laughs> well that. known, well known. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Well, that's I, not really true. I, we well we know that that's a, being a little facetious, but that's uh, uh, we'll get to your early days a little bit in terms of how you got involved in in this whole uh, organization in this whole realm in a little bit. But just to kind of paint a picture. Over 45 years as a photographer of hockey, 42,000 photographs in print as of a couple of years ago. So that number has only gotten higher. Uh, print, memorabilia, etc. If you do the math for the amount of time that you've been photographing, that's over two photos per day that are being used in some form of media. How Walk us through how that's even possible. I don't know how that's possible. Uh... <laughs> I, th I think um, part of it is the proliferation of social media and internet sites where those numbers just skyrocketed over the past, let's say, 20 years, uh, 25 years since the really internet boom started. Um, you know, every once in a while, I'll do that simple search, Bruce Bennett, Getty Images or Bruce Bennett Hockey and see what comes up. Sometimes it's a picture of me. Sometimes it's fun stuff like copyright violations, so I can <laughs> make some more money. Um, there you go. Or put it on to the corporate lawyers to take a look. But um, it's, um, you know, I, I think it's it's the plethora of media that's out there and the opportunity uh, to place images in, in in different kinds of media. Plus, obviously, knowing um, knowing the industry knowing what kind of images clients are most likely to use, whether it's commercial uses like trading cards or um, newspapers or uh, websites. Yeah, and it seems as though, you know, especially in, in your earlier days of photography, a lot more of it relied on you being in the right place and right time. Since since you began working with Getty as the director of photography for Hockey Imagery, it, it seems as though you're more of a... Uh, uh, a coach or a taskmaster for people who are, you're going to have to provide guidance to who are going to be in the arena doing uh, what you still do, but what, what you kind of start getting your start as. And I want to get into that in a little bit, but while we're on this track of, of just kind of talking about how much it is that you've actually done, I, I'm, I'm curious, like with such an extensive career, as we mentioned, 5,200 games or so, 55 arenas, 40 Stanley Cup deciding games, various all-star games, Olympics, you've been the team photographer for a few teams. Is there anything to date that you haven't done that's still on that list of things you want to check off? Mm. 
boy oh boy um <clears throat> well you stumped me already um <laughs> that's know, interesting i never I, thought I'd that like question to, i'd like to survive the the olympics in beijing that's i think the next thing on my uh you're planning yeah, to head over there yeah that's that's the next thing is um you know it it gets more difficult year after year um but uh not only you know the physicality but there are a lot of times um especially some of the younger photographers who work with us will see me just standing in the arena standing in the empty arena and um you know you visualize the game and you visualize uh where you can put a camera that uh you haven't done that previously um what techniques uh you have to uh uh, pull out of the hat. Maybe you did it 20, 30 years ago, or maybe you've never done it. You look at the work of other photographers uh, in other disciplines, and you try to bring that into your work uh, to uh, be different. Um, uh, do you do you find that you're still learning? You're still seeking out new and innovative ways uh, that that other photographers are bringing their work to to the masses and and, and trying to learn from that. Is that part of your your day to day still? Yeah, I. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's hard sometimes when you think about it being one of the photographers that that people look up to because of of the discipline that I've chosen doing ice hockey. Um, and you kind of know also that since the Getty Images site is open for people to go peruse anytime they want without logins and permission, they can look at everything. On an ongoing basis, you know, each night there are some photographers who will type in Bruce Bennett hockey or type in a game and look at the pictures for the game. So I, I kind of bear a little bit of a sense of responsibility to bring it every night, not only for Getty Images and our clients, but um, to, uh, you know, keep myself at the forefront. So I'm always always thinking of uh, something different. I don't bring it every night in terms of uh, uh, something unique. Um, but if I capture a game and I get the story of the game each night, really, that's that's the task uh, that I'm faced with. Now, I'm curious that you, you say that. You brought up something interesting there. Your work is immediately, you know, the, the, the best and worst of it, you know, obviously not everything, not every photo you take is going to make it to Getty Images, but all of the photographs that you take make it the ones that you want to show online immediately. And therefore your, your competition can essentially see your work as it's coming out. I was wondering whether or not you're learning things from other people. Is there a sense that like you can't protect your trade secrets because it's just a part of you? Or are you so not to, not to, mm -hmm. to, to say you're being cocky about it, Is but are you competitors com to Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> there are always going to be people chomping yeah. at the bit. I mean, are you worried that you're almost, you can't help but give away some of your secrets just by doing your job. Yeah. Double-edged sword. You know, I, yeah. I hate competitors. Um, I was always from the John Ferguson school and that uh, he was known during the summers when he was walk the streets in Montreal. If he'd see a player from another team walking towards him, he would cross the street. And that's the school, uh, that's a school really, uh, that for many years I prided myself going to the John Ferguson school um, more so these days, maybe I'm, uh, more confident now after, um, this is year 47. Um, I share techniques. Um, if I pride myself on answering every email, every text, every stupid Instagram message, um, 
Facebook message. Sometimes, sometimes they, uh, I miss them for like six months and then I have to apologize profusely and go, dude, I knew there was a message somewhere, but between (laughs) Facebook message and, you know, just email me, please, because I can keep track of it a lot better. Keep it all in one place. Bruce, I I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you, um, you know, you obviously are top of the heap in terms of, uh, uh, photography now is there somebody that influenced you I'm, I'm thinking of particular you know there's some great photographers in the past Barkley was one of them and his collection is is outstanding as one of the top collections back in the past did you study any of those guys and their techniques uh, to develop your own or did you are you just self-taught um well I had assistance through the years um and photographers that I looked up included um photographer by the name of joe dimaggio uh not that one but the same one (laughs) that one and joe dimaggio and his wife uh joanne kalish accomplished photographers in the new york area that took me under their wing and uh let me trail them and walk along and and learn from them uh as well a guy out of new jersey who's still out there uh i'd call him an old master but he he wouldn't like the term old but uh Melchior de Giacomo uh, shot a lot of World Hockey Association and early Ranger stuff, um, but uh, an old world master, a uh, craftsman. So I, I looked up to him. And of course, right. um, out of Montreal, David Beer. Um, just I looked so forward to going up there and just having coffee with him after games and talking about photography and technique. And Denny Brodeur, of course, uh, was yeah. friendly with him. And um, a gentleman, um, when you just look at uh, what he was able to do, I mean, he would walk in each night and shoot maybe 36 frames, and each one was a gem. Um, yeah. Now we'll shoot 3,500 and, you know, we'll scra- scrape through and pull out 100 to transmit. Uh, right. So those are the guys I, I looked up up to, um, you know, um, but a lot of my craft was self-taught because when I got started in the industry, uh, photographers weren't willing to share their knowledge with you. Uh, as a freelance photographer, it was a tough go in New York where the photographers would look down on you and treat you like crap. Yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting you you bring up uh, Brodeur there, and I do want to get into kind of the early days in New York, especially as well. Uh, but I had read a story uh, that you recounted after the Montreal Canadiens had won the Stanley Cup, uh, and and this is speaking sort of to the the in stadium competition of various photographers of you struggling and failing to get on the ice mm-hmm. as the celebrations were going on. Can you walk us through that night? And, and, and the minutes leading up to that? No, I, I really don't want to go back and talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a cold, rainy night in Montreal. <laughs> Aren't they all? Yeah. Nobody spoke English, and I got screwed. Um, I was ill-prepared. I mean, um, you know, these days I do my homework starting in the morning and reading my media notes and crossing uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And I'm, I'm, I learned my hard lesson in uh, Montreal was one of the hard lessons I learned. Um, getting ready for Stanley Cup presentation, 1979, Rangers at Montreal. Um, I don't, I rarely remember years and teams, but that one I do remember. <laughs> and uh, back then, of course, uh, Montreal um, was a little tougher to get around if you spoke no French. 
Um, and I'm sure pre-game there was a meeting somewhere uh, amongst photographers and the people in charge saying, uh, if this ends tonight, this is how you're getting on the ice. Uh, show your credential and all is good. And I had no idea. So at the end of the wow. game, yeah. myself and another photographer from New York uh, who I was friendly with um, ran from our photo positions around the ice in one direction and uh, a big security guard uh, blocked the way and, you know, um, really couldn't get directions. But we ran around the rink behind the net as players started their celebration on the ice. Hmm. And at that point, the two of us split off into different directions. Uh, he picked the right one and got out there on the ice. Um, I could not. So I returned to where I was shooting from and uh, stood on the chairs in the front row. Uh, and the fans who were there were so sweet and polite uh, to help steady me while I shot oh, pictures wow. uh, over the glass um, of Bob Ganey being lifted onto the shoulders of his teammates. Unfortunately, it was the back of Bob Ganey, or fortunately, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, <laughs> Hockey News, who I had agreed to supply photos from uh, to from that event, uh, was not thrilled with my generic image that's to me symbolized, well, thought of that afterwards, but symbolized, you know, the struggle to win the Stanley Cup because it was a, an unnamed player, even though obviously the back of the jersey said Ganey, but all the hands right. lifting him up. It was a beautiful frame, but really didn't tell the story that the Hockey News or many other clients, I'm sure, would have liked. Um, so I learned my lesson. And do you, do you recall whose who's photo ended up being used by the Hockey Denny News? Denny Brodeur. Denny Brodeur. Yeah. There you go. Brings, brings us by brings the way is, is Martin's dad, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe I've heard of him before. Yes. I'm not sure. I've, I believe I've seen some photographs taken of yeah. him as well. And now, Bruce, on that note, how competitive does it get among photographers in the arena or is it pretty much copacetic and, and on any given day how many photographers would you be competing with mm -hmm. uh to to take these photographs yeah yeah typical uh you know especially at big games when you get to uh stanley cup finals time you've got between 30 and 40 photographers in the building uh not in covid years but uh, typical over the last 10 12 years anyway you'd have around 35 photographers and you can contrast that to uh, like a gold medal final where you would have up to 120 photographers Oof, in the building. Wow, worldwide. How do they designate your positions? Uh, yeah. Um, well, as Getty Images, uh, you're part of, um, I guess they call it Olympic pool or something along those uh, lines. So the biggest agencies in the world get uh, the preferred positions. Um, and uh, typically those are in the deep corner position that is just south of where the goalie's line hits the boards, because from that position, you can twist behind the net and twist your lens up ice and be able to capture the entire ice surface. Difference, of course, from NHL to uh, Olympics is Olympics, there are no holes in the glass. In NHL, right. there are holes in the glass. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, well, Olympics would be like Swiss cheese because you'd have 15 guys uh, in each corner. That's fair. That's fair. Too many holes in the glass, yeah. And then, it's already dangerous enough yeah, being being. Yes, there, yeah. And then upstairs, you'd have 60 guys upstairs shooting, so the competition is, uh, is, is, is tough. Did you ever get a puck through that hole in the glass? Many times. <laughs> many times. Sometimes. Can really. you walk us through some of, some of your work on purpose? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, maybe some of the most memorable instances. Somebody you know that wants to just give you a little uh, fright there. Look, or? it's a skill. You know, if you can hit that, that four inch by five inch hole, you know, and not tip the edges, that's a skill. Um, I think it was Rogi Vashon. No, 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 it wasn't. It was uh, Mike Vernon. Madison Square Garden, where you could, I could, you know what? Sometimes you just catch a player's eye and you just go, oh, fuck me, here it comes. You it's know? coming. <laughs> and it was one of this, like, yeah, like this is warm ups. And I just like took the camera and I leaned and each shot it directly through the hole. And then, of course, it was like, yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, what are you thinking, dude? That's funny. All in good fun to yeah. hear, but I was actually almost kidding, yeah. but I figured maybe the odd one goes no. through, but if they're purposely trying to fire it yeah. through there. Well, you've said, Bruce, in interviews that it's almost like a rite of passage. Like every every photographer gets a puck at yeah. some point. Yeah. Uh, do you have any that stick out in your memory apart from that, which was a little bit more playful, something that actually kind yeah. of uh, took took a ding? It was, you know what, it was mostly in the early days where you would be um, at center ice positions completely exposed. So right. before we had these uh, silly holes in the glass, you'd be there in a penalty box or in a photo box jammed in with four or five photographers next to the player's bench or next to the penalty box. And from there, you would get hit from everywhere. I mean, you'd have guys clearing the puck down ice. Um, you know, in the early days, uh, the New York Rangers would have uh, their annual Christmas party. They would invite the media to come. Uh, and, and skate with the players and their families. And so uh, this uh, this one year, a few of us went over to Carol Vadney, the Ranger defenseman. We said, come here, we want to uh, want to talk to you for a minute. And so, you know, what's up with his French accent? And he, he said, listen, what we want you to do is we want you to go stand in that photo box where we usually are, and we're going to take turns circling around behind the net and shooting pucks at you like you do to us. <laughs> It's, oh, I hate when that happened, when I try to clear the puck down ice and it hits you guys. Oh, yeah, it hits you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hits you guys, you know. And you would just, you know, we would get hit. Puck sticks, players, um, it just, and I, literally, literally in those early days, and that was, you know, late 70s, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just go, oh, you know, like, <laughs> like all night I'd wake up flinching from, you know, worrying about pucks and sticks, you know, hitting me. It's I, I can't even like I've been behind the glass when a puck comes fast enough and it and, and you flinch just as a result of that. But when you're actually exposed, like I know I can't get hurt. Standing well, the there, kids but. today, they don't even remember. It's just natural. We were really mad back in the day when they put the big nets behind the, right. behind the nets. Right. They, what are they doing? They're blocking my view. Yeah. Well, so what if the odd person gets hit with a puck? Yeah. You know, it's worth the it's worth the uh, risk. But we we had seats behind the net, and the puck would come fly. But I remember sitting as a kid, Bobby Hall coming down the wing in Maple Leaf Gardens, and my uncle had seats right behind the net, and the puck marks in the gold section behind your head. <laughs> oh wow, there was. 20, 30 of them. Yeah. And when he came flying and that puck came over the boards, mm -hmm. you could get killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bobby Hall slap shot. Wow. Yeah. So these guys are doing it every day. And in the corner and, and much closer. They're not in the golds. They're, they're, yeah. they're in the platinums. Yeah. They're, they're right next to it. They're, they're, they're rinkside. Um, so let's, let's dial it back a little bit because I'm interested to know more about how you got involved uh, a little bit about your early days. And, and I've been curious. 
uh, over the course of your career? This is kind of half tongue in cheek, half not. But how is your accounting degree factored in your life as a <laughs> photographer? You, you gotten much use out of that? Yeah, well, um, for starters, it allowed me, um, um, it, it gave me the knowledge to run my business for 30 years before uh, Getty Images acquired my company. Um, the account that being BBS, Bruce Bennett's yeah, Studios. Yep, BBS. Um, and, uh, you know, running the business with the marketing, the management, and the accounting. You know, I often said that a lot of photographers uh, who are out there had um, the same skill as me, maybe even more skill. Uh, but I was better on the business end. And I mean that mm -hmm. quite honestly. Um, a lot of talented photographers out there uh, in every photographic discipline who aren't able to create a business because they don't have that skill set. Right. Um, and then the counting thing, it was either, uh, you know, counting games, counting um, photographs, counting, <laughs> you know, it's either an OCD thing or the accounting yeah. thing, uh, where I was always into the numbers and was able to, um, you know, it was, it, it was necessary for me to, uh, to put things down on paper. Yeah, there, there are legendary stories about how meticulous you are leading your team uh, at, at each game, which which I do want to get into a bit once 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 we uh, uh, start to go more into the the acquisition by Getty. Uh, but to stick a little bit on your on your early days, I want to draw a little comparison, you know, in the similarity between uh, you, dad uh, and, and Bruce in in just the ability to market your own ideas, I was fascinated by your first story, Bruce, of of getting accepted by the hockey news, uh, in spite of the fact that they didn't know they were about to accept anything from you. You did something that my dad talks about very often on on this podcast, where when you know you have something good, you just find a way to put it in front of the people who need to see it. We've had, uh, you know, one such example being a frame that we did up for the Super Bowl and and mailing it to, I think it was Labatt's at the yeah. time. Yep. corporate offices and, and initiating an order that way. Uh, you often, Dad, say that that uh, you owe a lot to the fortuitous nature of your life. But, uh, you know, you, you can't accept fortune without putting yourself first in a position where you can potentially receive it. And Bruce, in your example, uh, 1974 or so, out of university, uh, 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 taking some photographs of a hockey game and sending them to the hockey news, did you expect anything to come of that? And can you kind of take us through your mentality of putting these photographs in an envelope, sending them nondescript and, and, and expecting or not expecting anything? What was that like? I was a really dumb kid. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I was, I was dumb as a rock and, uh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, you know, right. you're going to sit That's in your exactly bedroom and right. watch TV, uh, you know, uh, it, it, do, it doesn't make sense. Some people who sit on their hands and expect the world is going to be uh, coming and knocking on their door. Um, right. But it, it was, you know, a shot in the dark. And, you know, I mean, I got a friend of mine who um, I'm going to I'm going to digress here. I got a friend of mine who uh, I went on a mini ski vacation with and he picked out and he's he, not a handsome guy. Uh, he picked out <laughs> the most beautiful girl that he saw and she was walking around with her parents I went back to the room and then like an hour later, he shows up with her and he explained his theory. You know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to move ahead in life. Um, right. The hockey news thing was just one of those things where I subscribed to the hockey news and I said, oh, I'd love to sell these guys photos. 
I had taken photos. I, I, I mean, it was relatively new at photography, maybe had a camera for less than a year. Took pictures from Matt at Madison Square Garden from the blue seats all the way upstairs. The worst photos I think anybody's ever seen. <laughs> and uh, from warm-ups at an Islander game when my cousin helped me sneak down into the photo box uh, for warm-ups. So made some beautiful little five-by-seven photos and sent them up to the publisher of the Hockey News, Ken McKenzie. Uh, they were based out of Montreal back then on St. Catherine Street. And I uh, said, hey, do you want to buy some photos? Um, and back then, of course, it wasn't, uh, you didn't get your instant answer. You waited for mail to arrive. Right. <laughs> and uh, mail, uh, the letter finally came. And um, he said, sure, we'll pay you three bucks, uh, four bucks a photo. Uh, and the classic line was, can you get into the games on your own? Or would you like me to get you a press pass? Or would you like me to get you? Let me just ponder <laughs> that for a couple of minutes. So I responded, and um, that next season, 74-75, I did a bunch of games at Madison Square Garden and at New York Islanders, uh, which were my two wow. local teams back then. That's where so this was this when you when you sent this envelope, there was an intent to get their attention and potentially have your photographs purchased. It wasn't just kind of like fan mail, like, hey, I got these cool photos. You you did have an idea in mind of like when, when you got the reply, A, were you surprised? B, were you expecting a potential press pass or was all of this more than you had expected? I said I was a dumb kid. I was like, I, I didn't know where <laughs> it was going to lead. I mean, I, you know, I was hoping it would lead to me getting to games and shooting pictures. Um, yeah. And I became um, the, what had happened actually, and I didn't know it at the time, was a guy who was uh, writing articles for the Hockey News uh, in the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he was taking pictures in the New York area and supplying them with some photos. When the Islanders started the year uh, uh, before I shot pictures, he switched over to being a writer. So they had that gap where they needed some photos that this guy used to supply to them. So it was kind of, uh, um, you know, fortuitous. There's that word. (laughs) The time, you know, timing is everything. Um, And the fact is, most of the people in the industry weren't going to sell them photos for four bucks. And I was uh, as many photographers that get started, uh, get started in this industry. They work for free or they work for cheap to get their foot in the door, prove themselves hone their craft, and eventually move on to better paying work. Isn't that always the way it is, though? I mean, I have people coming to me, and, and i not taking a shot at any generation, but millennials, no. People come in the door and, and want six-figure salary before they even prove themselves. And the best employees that I've ever hired, uh, my best employee here, has started in the shipping department, now runs the whole operation. Yeah. Uh, and he is making the money, but he's proven himself. I, that's why I said, and you submitted photos to Hockey News. I keep telling Mikey, submit one of these tapes to Sportsnet. And see if he can get a job on real TV. Yeah. No, no, real TV. Real TV. The, Other the than show the computer monitor I'm looking Rashawn. at. That's yeah. The pre-YouTube show where you just watch exactly. tragedies on camera. Um, I, 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 great show, actually. I, I'm, I'm surprised I even referenced that one. Um, I, I do like that whole story, though. It, you know, it's amazing that it kind of gets your foot in the door. I'd imagine, though, you know, you had just graduated, I believe, at this time. You have your, your accounting degree. What were your parents thinking oh. at this? What were your parents <laughs> thinking at this time? Oh, <laughs> shit. There you go. Yeah, that was, uh, I was in the third year of college uh, going for an accounting degree. Um 
And when I explained to my father what I was looking at doing, becoming a photographer, he leaned in like really close. He said, oh, <laughs> you will get your degree. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, okay. And, you know, uh, it worked out. I mean, parents couldn't have been prouder. Each time photos would appear anywhere. And my career built uh, rather quickly, quite honestly. It was just uh, circumstance. Um and I, I and I say that um, I say that because when photographers would start working for me, the first thing uh, after they would shoot a game, they'd be kind of depressed on what they shot. And I would tell them, go back and look at what I shot in 74, 75, right. 76, 77. And you'll see a progression, but you'll see a whole ton of shit that's in the files of stuff <laughs> where I was just feeling my way and guessing and once again, there were very few people out there to help me and guide me until uh, uh, DiMaggio stepped in around early 80, uh, 80s and kind of uh, led me uh, into the right and uh, into a better direction. What is that? What would that skill be? I mean, it's so, you know, as someone who I don't I don't have an artistic bone in my body. So when you talk about like the skill of taking a photograph of a hockey game, I'm sure there are a lot of people that almost can't relate to the fact that there is a distinct craft to it. There's a skill that you develop the timing of taking a photo. Is there just this innate instinct that you have now when you see a player winding up for a slap shot? Not yet, not yet, not yet now. Like is, is, does that come second nature? Was developing that skill something that, that took longer than you might've expected? Was it more difficult than you expected? You know, I, I've said in the past, I mean, it, it's anticipation, it's instinct and it's experience. And mm -hmm. once you get the experience, the instinct and the anticipation are honed uh, to such a degree that you, uh, you there doesn't it's seamless. It's not like a um, a thought pattern where you go, okay, well he's winding up, he's going to take a slap shot now. Right. You have to react as quickly as the players act, um, otherwise you're going to miss the shot. So so that's interesting. As you say that, Bruce, I'm starting to think as the game has changed so much since the 70s and it's so much faster now. So as you go along, you're you're not just uh, taking the same skill and reusing it. You have to keep adapting because you're going to miss those shots now that you could have gotten back in the day. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an interesting point. You know, I guess I grew along with the sport because I really never uh, thought about the speed now as opposed to the speed then. Um, year by year, obviously, the equipment mm -hmm. gets better. And, you know, when you think about it, the first 25, 30 years, approximately, maybe the first 30 years, I was all manual focus. Right. Now, the big equalizer for a lot of these guys is autofocus, and the autofocus is better every year, and the cameras are better every year, um, and it's more of a level ground. In the early days, I got so good with certain lens and camera combinations that there was really, I was, there was never an apparent thought pattern, okay, I got to rack the zoom this way, I got to rack the focus mm -hmm. this way. Your hand kind of did it without you know, thinking about it, there was, you know, you, your mind could be a mile away and you were just doing it. Um, and now it feels, it feels almost like it's, it's the same as, as, you know, you ask a player, like you ask Wayne Gretzky, how do you take a slap shot? He's not saying, well, the first thing I do is I, right. I, I condense my core and then I wind it, you know, like it, it does become second nature. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, on that note, uh, you've, you've sort of co-opted one of Wayne Gretzky's famous quotes of you miss 100% of the shots uh, you don't take. You sort of co-opted that in a, in a fun way as it applies to photography. Um, uh, there's another saying that Wayne has, which is uh, go, don't go where the puck is, go to where the puck is going to be. Is there an element of you reading the play of the game where you're kind of anticipating what's going to happen almost before the players get there, where you know, you, you say, I've seen this rush before. I know where they're going to be. My camera's going to be there before they even get there. I'm so proud of myself when I can look into the future and uh, point the camera in the right direction. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those 50-50 propositions, or sometimes it feels like it's 80-20 in the wrong direction when you're, right. you're going, okay, that guy is going to take the slap shot from the point. Is he going to, you know, is he going to score? Do you stay on him in case there's a great celebration or do you twist towards the net um, <clears throat> and hope that something happens there? Maybe the guy tips it in or you get some guy celebrating somebody else's goal, which is, you know, right. could be a shot, but also could be very meaningless. Um, it, it, um, it, you know, when you miss it, you go, okay, the next one's going to come my direction. The thing is that, experience not only with specific players and where they're more likely to travel when they hit the ice uh, and teams patterns, um, you know, uh, how certain teams set up their power play, um, you know, which players hug the board, which guy is most likely to dish off the puck. Those are things uh, that come the more, uh, the more games you shoot and the more times you see a, a team. Um, and that's why it's difficult you know, with the schedule being so screwy the last couple of years. Right. I and mean, I'd see a Western team would come in and go, holy shit, is that guy still in this league? You know, <laughs> you'd go like, holy shit, I thought that guy was dead by now or he's ready yeah. for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, but, sorry, sorry, Blake Como. I don't mean to, uh, but I mean, <laughs> you know, every time that team, uh, a team comes in and Blake Como's on the team, there must be 12 of them, you know? <laughs> You know, it's funny. We could talk about the greatest shots that you've you've taken, and um, there's a lot of them. And we just touched on, you know, where you need to point your camera. And that, and I'm probably stomping on Mikey's next question, but for what about the shots that you've missed? Is there anything that you you think, oh my god, how did I miss that shot? I mean, obviously Henderson's goal, but that was prior to uh, you didn't start till in '72. Before you weren't in '72. Yeah, to so yeah. talk about a shot that a classic shot that would have been the all-time greatest, and you just missed it. Yeah, like like. Is there anything that comes to yeah, mind? Yeah, like every day, like every <laughs> damn day. Nah, but not one of those Henderson goals or Gretzky. 15 39 yeah. uh, comes um, around every day. Those are the kind of things I'm thinking. Yeah. Did I miss that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me, Brian. Really, <laughs> really like you, man. Um, <laughs> well, there's got to be yeah. something. You've got all the great ones. So you must have missed yeah. a couple. You can't well, help it. I did it. miss yeah. the great one. I missed the great one. Um, I made a decision uh, when he went for the record in Los Angeles. Was that 802? 802, yeah. Um, a number that will live in infamy in my in my world. Um, I made a decision uh, to shoot that from upstairs uh, instead of wow. uh, from ice level uh, for several reasons. The ice level positions were not conducive to him scoring at the other end of the ice. Um, the chances of being blocked by referee, linesmen, or other players was so great. 
Um, back then, I guess I wasn't doing remote cameras or in that arena, we couldn't do remote cameras, uh, which are a form of protection for you not seeing, uh, seeing it from your camera, you put up remote cameras so that you'll have right. something from every angle. Uh, so I made the decision to, to go upstairs going, you know what, it's more important not even to see his face, which I'm, I'm big on seeing players faces, but you got to capture the moment. Uh, so I right. went upstairs and I got him scoring and right up the middle of the frame are two arms outstretched of fans who jumped oh, out no. of the seats and blocked me for that shot. You know, so that I don't think Wayne is offended with that because you become very close friends with Wayne. <laughs> You're the photographer of choice for all that. That's where I see him the most or have seen him the most is all the fantasy camps that Bruce was invited to uh to do the photography for and Wayne wouldn't have anybody but Bruce for those camps and we talked about it many times for obvious reasons and it seems like you're uh, you've been uh uh you know fairly close with Wayne and I was kind of curious you know Wayne Gretzky having played uh fewer than than uh, uh 2000 games I mean what a chump compared to your 5200 do you ever do you ever rib a little bit for that <laughs> he's a loser I mean what he... <laughs> I know come on like what's what's he even doing what has he ever done you, you've more than doubled it yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, no, it uh, really hasn't come up with, uh, any of the players. I mean, I'm not really aware, um, throughout my, uh, uh, throughout my career, I've kept my distance from players. So although, um, Brian has seen me enjoying being around the campers and sometimes the players at fantasy camp, the fact is, um, I really don't have any and never had, um, Geez, I can't say I had a relationship with a player. I don't think you can say that in 2021. Um, <laughs> never went to dinner. With, or you can. Yeah, you can. Uh. Yeah. I, I've, you know, I've never gone to dinner with players. Uh, the closest I've ever been embedded with players might be either at fantasy camp or it was uh, with Gretzky and friends in 94 uh, for his Nordic tour and the mm -hmm. World Stars uh, tour. Now, he invited you to that, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So, so you may not be personal friends and, uh, drinking buddies with these guys, but they respect your work. So on that level, you're always getting invited, uh, by the people that know your work and know you. So, you know, I think that's, yeah. that's good enough. Is it, is it kind of by design that you don't socialize with them as much? Is it, is it because you want, you know, you talked about going through the, I think you were saying the awards dinner and everyone stopping to talk to you. Do you want mm -hmm. to keep that impersonal relationship because it benefits your photographs? Yeah. Uh, always wanted to keep it separate. Um, and the line I always said is if I see a player clubbing another baby, uh, <laughs> clubbing another player, <laughs> like he's a baby seal, okay. I'm going to publish that photo. So, yes, yeah, the, you yeah. know, editorial integrity, it's big with Getty Images. It was big with me at Bruce Bend Studios. Um, you need to be unencumbered in the use of the photography. And really, yeah. I just quite honestly, I mean, I'm at home now. Maybe I've got six pictures up on the walls that are autographed and most of them were given to me. I rarely have ever asked anyone to autograph anything to me, whether it's sticks or pictures. I just felt it was un unprofessional. Uh, do you want put something from Sydney? I can do that for you. <laughs> How much is that going to cost me? <laughs> Nothing. I would do that for you gratis. So would he. Yeah. Do, you put, uh, do you put any of your own photographs up? Do you celebrate some of your better ones by framing them and putting them around your place, or do you keep yourself separate even from your own photos? Um, 
you know, there's a, there, there are a few on the walls here, but, um, I don't know. I, I see hockey photos every day. Uh, and there are a yeah. couple of ones that are special to me that I've got on the walls, but really, um, you know, picture of Wayne and myself that he autographed to me or, or one with, uh, Mario Lemieux, another one with, uh, Neil Smith, uh, who was close to for many years. Um, and Martin Brodeur. Um, yeah, but, um, no. Well, there leads to a good question. Mm-hmm. What What's your favorite, the favorite photograph that you've taken? Yeah, favorite photograph you that have I've one? taken. Um, well, let's see. Uh, let's see if I can direct <laughs> the uh, video camera up here. There you go. This is a cue if you're not uh, watching over on YouTube. Oh. Now we're taking a look over there. Is that uh, Martin Brodeur? That is uh, somebody. Uh, Corey Schneider. We- Oh, Corey Schneider with the puck from the net cams perspective. Right, right. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge puck. Great shot. Great. That's, <laughs> that's great Photoshop work there, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's, yeah, that's, I, I imagine <laughs> it's not. That's, that's, that looks, uh, so what we're looking at for the listener, it's from the net cams perspective. The puck is clearly in view as Schneider looks back at it. A great photograph from our perspective, but one that I'd imagine Schneider doesn't like all that much because the puck's going past him. Yeah, that's life. What are you going to do? That's life. Well, there you go. That's why you're not friends with Schneider. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Editorial (laughs) integrity. Uh, You mentioned editorial integrity and the importance of it to Getty Images, which kind of leads us into where I'd like to to take the conversation prior to working with Getty in the capacity that you're with now as the uh, Director of Photography for Hockey Imaging. Uh, You, as you mentioned, ran BBS, Bruce Bennett Studios. In 2004, I believe you were acquired by by Getty. And I'm curious always when you go from kind of running your own studio and, and doing a lot of the, the photography yourself, what, what changes when you take on the role of a director of photography, as opposed to, uh, you running your own studio? Um, you find out a lot about yourself, uh, <laughs> because, um, I mean, for starters, uh, I wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night and worry about how to hit payroll the next day. Because uh, I had right. twelve people working for me, um, but er, early on I realized that the pressure to succeed and be the best at my craft and be the top of the industry was um, it was it was inside me. It wasn't that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go work for somebody else and I'm you know going to chill. You know, right? I'm still the same personality. Um, the people, uh, the photographers I um, I hire to do jobs know that I expect the most from them. Same as, um, you know, I, I expected the most from the people who work for me at BBS. Uh, some appreciate that and some don't. Um, but, you know, you want to be the best. Uh, you got to pay attention to your job. Uh, you got to be focused and in focus. Little pun there, hey, little photo pun. There you go. I like it. That's I'm right up my alley. <laughs> Keep the puns coming. Um, you know, and that's, uh, you know, if you're not going to try to be the best at what you do, like, you know, what are you doing here? You know? Yeah. Now, what what changed in terms of your day-to-day? Was there more responsibility in terms of managing a team or was it largely unchanged, but you were just now working under the umbrella of Getty Images? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest difference was if I didn't like somebody who was working for me back in the old days, I could fire them. Now I couldn't. Um <laughs> 
they that's a big that's a big yeah, difference i would report to somebody else we'd report to somebody else and or, you know it's always better being the benevolent dictator you know? <laughs> hold on i, I just got to write that down benevolent dictator. Yeah. Um, he'll probably say it again before the end of the episode yeah. it's one of his you, favorite terms yeah, yeah you've heard that before yeah yes oh, i have never, never. Yeah. yeah i i um, so, i i don't know man it's um it's it's tough being in charge um but i do have people over me. I mean, at, at one time, look, going from a sole proprietorship and having people under me and making the decisions, um, going to Getty Images uh, early on, I phoned a lovely British guy who was um, high up in Getty Images and the guy who basically did the deal to acquire Bruce Bennett Studios. And I phoned him, a uh, guy's name is Nick, and my uh, and I, I was friendly with him. Uh, at least I, I thought we were friendly. Um, and I phoned him and I left him the message. Nick, why are people in this company afraid to take a shit unless you say it's OK? <laughs> Be- and the reason was that I couldn't get to yes. I could not get the right. people above me to say yes. Like, yeah, this is a good right. deal. Run with this change this, but do this. Let's, let's move, you know, let's slow. Cause they all have to check in with slow Nick. is death. You know, slow will kill you. Uh, competitors yeah. will kill you if you're slow and, uh, early morning, uh, cause he was in London. It was something ridiculous, like, you know, five thirty six in the morning. And it was that British voice. Hello, Bruce. It's Nick. I'm calling to talk you in off the ledge. <laughs> and, um, and you know what? I'm sure it's typical from people going from sole proprietorship to going to a corporate environment. And right. I kind of enjoyed navigating it at times. Like, how do I get things done? And at other times, it was so frustrating. Um, but I'm in the happy. So you're saying now. you're saying I should or shouldn't sell my company and work for someone else? Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. Good what, luck. What good. advice can you give me, uh, Bruce? We'll talk. We'll take that <laughs> offline when Mike's not around. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck being a benevolent, benevolent dictator working no, for someone else. No, I have to work. be the benevolent dictator. Um, I like that that saying, uh, Bruce. You know, speed is or, or slow is death. Uh, you're constantly going to get taken over. I've I've heard about the frenetic pace with which you lead a, a hockey game with with all the photographers who are there. I've also heard, and I need you to walk me through this that you bring schematics <laughs> to a game. If I'm honest, I don't know what that means yeah. uh, for the layman. Can you? Walk us through what's involved prepping for a game and what schematics have to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, for better or worse, uh, I'm known for the diagrams of the arenas and going into games. Um, <clears throat> I mean, once again, I'll start by uh, standing in the arena and looking around and looking at catwalks, looking where remote cameras can be. And uh, typically what I'll do is I'll set out where photographers are going to be, what photo positions, um, to make sure that the ice is blanketed, either with uh, photographers with handheld cameras or remote cameras that provide the backup to us to ensure that no moment is missed. And some of these get, things get so complicated that uh, one, of our, one of the editors I use mostly is a guy out of New York, uh, Justin Hyman. And he makes fun of the diagrams, but it allows him to see as well. Uh, we go over which camera is being triggered by what photographer. So the photo credits are usually correct. Um, but they do get 
pretty complex from a you know World Cup um, uh, sorry from an Olympics uh, gold medal game where you'll have five photographers and I think it was nine remote cameras cool. and each camera and photographer I'm mapping out what area of the ice each will see so if a player scores and goes in a certain direction who's where is that going to be captured and do each do each of the individual photographers have sort of a designated task you know you're taking the photo if x y or z happens and that kind of covers off this block of ice goals passes whatever that is or are the photographers in that area kind of left to their own devices yeah at some point um you know, especially when you get to the big games, whether it's Stanley Cup and Olympics, uh, photographers assigned uh, to those games don't fail. Uh, their yeah. job is to cover everything that comes their way. Sometimes it's interaction. Typically, it's story of the game, the big moments, which anything that happens in front of them is their responsibility. Uh, and then as well, we have some commercial needs that need to be handled as well. So Stanley Cup, you got players wearing that Stanley Cup logo. It's imperative right. we come out of Stanley Cup with every player with that logo on their chest. Oh, well, and, and funny, you should say, uh, it just brought to mind that I've called Bruce a number of times over the years and said, look, uh, Sydney's playing in this particular city at this particular time. He's about to get his particular, some, some record-breaking right. thing or something that was important for our business, the memorabilia side that we wanted to capture. And he's done his best to accommodate us wherever he can. It's not always a photographer in every rink and every position, but you know we know ahead of time. And he's told us that, like, if you need a fo photo of a certain thing, call me, and we'll try and set that up as best we can. If we want it, generally, more people the, the will NHL want will want it too. But sometimes it's hard to capture. Now, Bruce, how how often is is my dad insulting you by by assuming that you didn't already know that a big milestone was coming up? You know, I, honestly, I mean, day in and day out, I tell our photographers all around the league, you got to read the media notes. You got to read yeah, yeah. the media notes. There's sections in there on milestones. Um, I watch NHL on the fly here in New York every day. I pick up, you know, things that happened. Sometimes things that will be happening, but, you know, no matter how much I scour the internet and uh, newspapers online and all that stuff, the photographers are really tasked uh, with a lot of the, uh, a lot of the day-to-day -day milestone coverage. Um, when I'm worried about them and I know which group are, might be good photographers, but, um, you know, Getty Images photographers, they're doing football one night, baseball the next, or basketball, then they're right. in hockey. And it's like, I know their head is swimming with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, so part of my job is making sure that those key moments are, are handled. But man, I always appreciate when clients give me the heads up because it could easily be something that, that I just knew nothing about. Great. I love that. That's the, I, yeah, no, that's great. And and the other thing you mentioned was remote cameras. Yeah, yeah. So you were a part of that whole net cam thing, which was a whole revolution. It never was a net cam before. Right. And I remember when it first came out, all sorts of issues with players wanting to fire the puck at it and see if they could <laughs> knock it off or whatever. Tell me some experiences about that, because that, I'm sure you're involved with some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, one of the one of the fun things with the net cam is that um, at the Olympics, uh, the women's U.S. women's team 
start to realize that that camera in the net was there, you know, for a purpose. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the women's hockey teams are big for going into that huddle at the net before the game. And right. the U.S. women's team has looked at that as their opening photo opportunity. Uh, oh, amazing. You, have, you know, there's every That's once great. in a while the game starts and you're just like looking around and go, oh, they're huddling. Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> because there are so many great frames of them, like looking at the camera and, and mugging before they, you know, like just something to get loose. Oh, that's the fantastic. Game, you know. So do you actually have to physically press a button or is it just kind of automatic yeah, that it, it goes it's, off? Uh, it's uh, remote, uh, remotely triggered. Typically, sometimes we're at the same end of the ice, but typically to separate one side of my brain from the other, I put the remote cameras at the far end of the ice from where I am. And you're shooting blindly. Uh, you're shooting oh. 10 to 14 frames a second. You hold the button down when anybody breathes anywhere near the net cam. And then it's like Christmas morning when you finally get that digital card and you scroll through and you realize, oh, man, I got a winner or I got a thousand pictures of the goalie's ass, you know. What I mean? Well, that was a great <laughs> also shot. A yeah. Also a winner. Also a winner. Yeah. <laughs> As, uh, 2002, that was a great net cam shot for winning goal, right? Uh, thanks. Uh, Olympics. I, I, don't, I didn't shoot that, so let's move. Oh, <laughs> there's other photographers out there, Bruce. You're not the only one. No. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to say that. But you're the only one on this podcast, okay. so thanks for doing that. <laughs> it was mine then. Um, I shot that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah take take the credit uh um or you at least influence the angle oh, yeah. so there's that yeah. you can take some you know, credit for that and, and let me talk about influencing the angle because you know uh, to me uh, the net cam thing is such a cliche at this point um it's still great when you get a great image i had a great one at islanders rangers about two weeks ago that i was really happy with really you know do you come out of it and go that's a stunner you know it actually triggered there wasn't any radio frequency in the building that stopped it from working it wasn't right. crooked or it wasn't filled with ice and snow um the fact is when you're pushing a button i i understand that you know most of it is setting it up and and making sure it looks good before you walk away from it for two and a half hours um i don't know to me it, it just the you know to call it something special or some great creative thing when you're pushing a button from 200 feet away i don't know i i kind of don't buy into it you know that's i mean it's still great i mean obviously if you're there holding the camera with the i mean in the old days when you can capture a great moment Mm -hmm. because you had to do all the work that wasn't all that that must have been a little more rewarding than maybe today but still in all when you get a great shot and people go, wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. I remember one of the great shots I saw years ago was Sidney Crosby splitting the defense oh, yeah, in his yeah. first or second year where he's half, the, like he's got uh, one uh, leg Rangers, in the air, too. one over the back of the goal or the defenseman who was trying to yep. hip check him, and he still makes it through. What a great action shot. And I'm pretty sure in those days somebody had to be at the right moment, the right second, the right focus, that's a really cool, that's really rewarding. Yeah. I think probably the best. Yeah, and that's another one I didn't shoot, by the way. So keep it up, <laughs> well, Brian. I don't know all oh, your. Listen. How many photographs have yeah, you taken? Listen. Thirty, forty thousand. Next fantasy camp, no pictures for you. Just keep that in mind. Okay? <laughs> it's okay. I've retired those skates. <laughs> there was no blade left on them. 
Well, look, Bruce, uh, we appreciate you coming by. We don't want to take too much of your time. I do have one final question, and I know I know you well enough to know that you're going to shrug this off, but I do, I do want to at least bring this up because this should be in public consciousness. Do you envision a day where your name will be called to join the Hockey Hall of Fame? Um, <clears throat> am I supposed to answer that? Um, <laughs> well, I'll answer it. It should be. Well, I agree. I, 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 and I, I, I definitely appreciate it. I, I don't know if there's a mechanism at this point uh, for photographers, uh, just as there's no mechanism for some of the great public relations uh, directors that I've worked with through the years. Uh, right. It doesn't seem like there's a place or a, um, um, you know, for them to fit in. Um, uh I, uh, that's changed over the years, though. I mean, they've added new categories, trainers. I believe. Trainers were, you know, are admitted now and or acknowledged at the Hall of Fame, um, which is great. Those guys are tired. I think sooner or later they've got to because so many photos that are in the Hall of Fame come from the guys like you that are are capturing the moments that's so important to the yeah, game the, the history it should be definitely the history part. doesn't exist in the form that it currently does without someone uh leading the pack and uh and taking the photographs that you did so you don't you may not have to say it out loud but i think i think uh you deserve a spot there and hopefully we get to see that at some point and i'll be there and well hopefully yeah we'll take your photographs <laughs> i can take it on my new phone they're getting really good these days. i don't show up on <laughs> photographs i'm like a vampire so you can choose but i'm not there <laughs> yeah, this whole time we've been talking to a blank screen. It's been a bizarre interview. Um, well, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. Anything you're working on right now? Anything you want to draw attention to out there? Just uh, working on the Instagram, you know, trying to put up some fun stuff. And um, really the focus right now. Maybe people can follow you there. Yeah, why don't you give out your, yep. uh, give out your handle uh, there Bruce for Instagram? Bruce underline Bennett, two N's and two T's. Simple as that. And uh we're headed uh, headed to Beijing for better or worse. Uh, that'll be the next big thing. Unfortunately, I missed the uh, NHL All Star Game for the first time in many many years because uh, I've got to head to Beijing early and make sure the arenas are set up the way I would like with the remote cameras and photo positions. So um, you know the next. Exciting I'd event. like to go there myself, but I don't know that I'm even allowed. I, as a, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think it just fa- I don't everyone's allowed, but they said allowed. specifically Brian Aaronworth yeah. can't make the trip. We don't know why. But oh, I would been... go if I uh, mm-hmm. if if they were allowing it because yeah. you don't want to miss those yeah. moments. No, definitely. 2010 not. was a whole other oh, thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bruce, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, for Bruce Bennett, Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. Thanks, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers, Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is my Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!